the dark sub-basement of City Hall to your ears. This is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Tonight, the exit interview with Natasha Lipney, Innovative Revenue Tools, and our call-in lines are open. All that on more on the Queen City Improvement Bureau. This meeting is now in session. All right, shall we uh, start the meeting? Yes, we should. Uh, first order of business, let's take attendance. Okay. Okay, we have, um, let's see, who do we have here first? Uh, we have uh, Kel Dufain. Kel Dufain. Kel Dufain. Uh, I, I don't recall the name. Weird- it's, it's, not, it's not on the agenda that I have. Uh, well, weirdly enough, uh, Kel Dufain, or Sel Dufain, uh, is a fictional character. He's from uh, the last book of Pride, which was never published. I believe he was Taryn's lover. It's very progressive. It's very progressive. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know that about Lloyd Alexander. Yeah, it's set to be a Netflix series, I believe. Exciting. Yeah. Exciting. Uh, actually, hold up, hold up here. Um, I'm sorry, this is a little embarrassing. Uh, I think I may have mixed up the letters. It should say Polishet. Oh, that's me. Oh, great. Um, and, uh, okay, we've got Paul here, which is you, and we have, a uh, Garo Anadiam. Garo Anadiam. Yes. I don't know Garo Anadiam either. Uh, I, I don't see him here in the sub-basement. I don't, I don't think Garo is even a person. I think he's actually a kind of mineral. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really? Yeah, fell to Earth, uh, millions of years ago in, in a comet or an asteroid. Right. Or, aren't, aren't they the same thing, comets and asteroids? Pretty sure they are. Pretty yeah. sure, yeah. And Garo... Anodyne. Garo Anodyne. Is probably here to give us some, just the interstellar mineral perspective on things. Oh, good. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's excellent. Um, except I'm realizing as I, as I look at the name, uh, that probably isn't Garo, uh, Anodyne because I think I mixed up the letters. And I think it should be Aiden Morgan. That would be you. Excellent. All right. We've, we've got all the usual players tonight. Let's keep going. Okay. Well, I do believe we, um, we, we have a recorded interview tonight. That's right. Yeah, the exit interview with the famous Natasha Lipney. That's right. Uh, exit because she's exited the leader post. She has. And possibly uh, space. So she may be recording this from a satellite. Oh. Or may have recorded this from a satellite. We'll have to. Uh, yeah. I hope not. <laughs> Me too. It would be nice if she were here. Yeah. Um, yeah, and she was also an improvement vector. She was. She is an official improvement vector. Yep. Do we get to revoke that now that she's no longer a, uh, a city hall uh, reporter? Only so we can give her another certificate. Oh, for whatever yeah. else she does in the exactly. future. Exactly. Brilliant. Yeah. Yep. Okay, well, how about we go to that interview right now? Okay. Basement with Natasha Lipney again. 
Hey, Natasha. I wasn't very excited. <laughs> oh, but I'm, I'm tired. It's uh, I, I was just in the cot in the back room, so I just, just woke up. Yeah. Okay. So, Nasha. N- Nasha. <laughs> Natasha. Oh, was she here, too? <laughs> no, sadly. Um, we've, heard a, we've heard a horrible rumor that you are no longer going to be the leader post's city hall person. What the hell? I mean, what the heck? <laughs> um, yes, that's true. Um, I am leaving the leader post. Well, I guess technically I've already stopped reporting for them. Um, I'm going to move on to something else, which I guess well, I will announce in a few days. Um, but yeah, I'm taking off, and uh, so not just from the city hall beat, from but from the leader post as a whole. Unfortunately, that is tragic. Your city hall coverage has been stellar. It's been how long? Two years? Two and a half years? Uh, just over two and a half years. Yeah. 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 And thank you. Um, yeah. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I, and I. I put out a note on Twitter, uh, mostly to let people know not to contact me for stories saying that I was taking off. But I got such a warm response, especially about City Hall reporting, uh, not to toot my own horn, but it it meant a lot to me because it... Um, I was never really sure how much people were following it, to be honest. You had the very active people on social media that I knew were um, always following the stories, kind of the regulars, if you will. But um, it was really nice to see that kind of reaction that people appreciated the coverage and that they were following it because you don't get that kind of feedback very often. Um, So that was kind of one of those bittersweet aspects about it. And I really love the beat. I really, really loved it. Um, It has nothing to do with how much I was enjoying covering City Hall. Um, So it is tough for me to let it go, for sure. And and I'd always assumed you were the only actual live reporter at the Leader Post anyway. For for City Hall, you mean? Yeah. Um, Or just in general, actually. Or just in general. Yeah. There are other people there. <laughs> really? Because we've, we've seen none of them, so therefore we have no confirmation that they ex- even exist. They do yeah. exist. I can okay. confirm other leader post reporters exist. <laughs> okay. That Mark Melnichuk guy, he might be real. Oh, uh, I've met him. I'm not entirely sure. Oh, really? Yeah. He seemed he was flickering at the edges. He might have been a hologram. Okay. So. Yeah, that would make kind of, sense. Kind of like Hillary at the debates. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You, you were saying that you really enjoyed doing the uh, the City Hall beat. Um, what are you going to miss about it? I actually, as as much as I grumble about it by the end of the evening, I, I really enjoyed City Council. I, I joked on Twitter the other day that um, maybe I'll even still show up. Um, oh, there was God. just, which now I'm thinking is maybe unlikely, but there's just something about City Council where you're trying to find these gems in what people are saying. You have a lot of fun on Twitter. Like the level of engagement with City Hall reporting mm-hmm. is highest during those council meetings Mm -hmm. so that part i always enjoy um uh with with readers i mean people at home who are who are following uh tweets it's always interesting to see the interaction between people who show up at the meetings um and and chat uh chat with counselors um and i would say actually the other side of it that i've i've really enjoyed is um uh, forming relationships and speaking with the city counselors um Mm -hmm. over the past few years um they are quite accessible. When I speak with colleagues in other cities, when they talk about um, being able to connect with the mayor and with city council, um, the ones in Regina, just from what I can compare to, are quite accessible. And you do form relationships with these people mm-hmm. uh, over time. Not friendships, still working relationships, but um, that kind of you know, being able to call them up on their cell phone and, and chat about different issues and get to know them that way um, was, was quite nice. What about a, a story that you covered that you are particularly proud of how the coverage came out that you did? I'm really a numbers person, so I don't know how you know groundbreaking some of these stories were, but I was really interested in getting things like 
consultant numbers, like how much right. the city is, is yeah. spending mm-hmm. on consultants, um, what exactly happened with, for instance, the uh, um, the severance of Brent Schoberg and Glenn Davies, when that was right. a big discussion. Right. That was a matter of doing a freedom of information request for two numbers. Yeah. You know, how much <laughs> Schoberg got in severance. Yeah. Um, and um, or how much his salary was, I guess, that last year, and how much the severance was. But I had to free. I had to do an access to information request to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brent Soberg was the director of. He's uh, the chief operating officer. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. and, and he was also Davies. the head on um, uh, the stadium project as well. The stadium the and executive. the whole RRI, mm-hmm. yeah, with exactly. whole regenerative revitalization. Yeah. And Glenn Davies is the city manager, Sorry, of course, yes. who just left a little while ago. Yeah. For severance, I hear he got a helicopter made of pure gold. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's yeah. exactly true. <laughs> yes. it, is, it, is, it is probably exactly true, but it may yeah. just be a rumor that I've made up right now. Yeah, and what did you find out with those two guys? Like they had their their salaries were um, quite impressive. Yeah, I mean that information is published in the public accounts every yeah. year, um, which is how we found out about um, Glenn Davies. Um, he decided to leave City Hall. He wasn't. He wasn't fired. I mean, he resigned. Um, And then in public accounts, we discovered, um, uh, you know, just how much he got when he ended his contract with the city. I think the interesting thing with that that I asked about was, well, what was actually written in his contract? I got the wording of the contract because I was curious how someone could resign as opposed to being fired and still walk away with as much as he did. Mm So that was kind of interesting, the wording of it, and to compare that to the current city manager and how it seems like they've gotten a, they've they've moved away from that wording in in mm. in the current contract. Um, and then with the case with Brian Schoberg, he um, uh, he was let go, but of course that happened in what was it the early spring, I mm-hmm. think. So the numbers for him wouldn't be released for. Um, for I think more than a year, yeah, um, because they released the numbers based on last year, um, so we would have had to wait quite a long time to get those numbers. Um, and the topic was still kind of hot because of the whole Glenn Davies issue. So figured it couldn't hurt to ask, yeah, um, and to find out also, you know, what Hitch's contract says because it's not just a matter of the numbers. It's like what kind of contracts is the city signing with these top executives, um, and are they? Are they continuing to sign contracts like that? Are they trying to move away from that and be um, show a bit more maybe fiscal restraint um, at the executive levels? So can I ask you to draw some conclusions? Like what were the conclusions that you drew? Did you feel that the contracts were sugar-coated? And or that? Uh, <laughs> oh, dear. And where know. are we I, going I, now? I don't know if I can <laughs> – I don't know if I can comment on that either way. I don't know if I, I should, and I don't know if I'm in a position – in terms of being all that knowledgeable about contracts to, to comment sure. either way on that. I will say that the way that those two contracts were written have not been repeated. Um, right. Or at least right. Glenn Davies' city manager contract, I've seen his, and I've seen Chris Holden's, who was the new city manager, and there are clauses in Glenn Davies which allowed him to walk away with the hundreds of thousands of dollars that he did that are not in Glenn Davies' contract. And I think Glenn, he, uh, Chris Holden's oh, contract. Excuse me, Chris yeah. Holden's contract. Um, and so take from that yep. what you will. Yeah, we have. And what about uh, on uh, contractors and consultants? Yeah, what so are that, their that one's interesting because the numbers that I got, and it's hard to get 
it's hard to get at these numbers. Um, it seems I, I wanted to get a sense of how much is the city looking to external consultants um, for reports and studies and advice on what it should be doing. Um, and this was just this idea came from sitting at city council and seeing um, RFPs for consultants getting and, and quite large contracts, I would say some that are, you know, more than $500,000, um, you know, for these reports getting approved um, and, and wondering, like, they just seem to add up to me. And I was wondering, well, you have a city hall that's quite large. Um, you already, the idea is like, well, you already have a lot of people working internally. Why are you looking outside your doors and how much are you spending on that to get advice um, and to get information. And it was hard to get at this because I discovered that the way that they, the way that the city defines consultants and studies and reports and how those get, um, how those then get reported on in terms of all of their spending mechanisms and accounting is very hard to pinpoint if you're filing an access mm. to information request. So there's a lot of back and forth, and I think I got something. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, to be honest, in the end, I'm not really sure if I encompassed everything I was looking for. I, I'm not in, still entirely convinced I got all of it, but I did get like a large spreadsheet over the past five years, I think, of every single report, what it was and how much it cost. And then I got the same information from Saskatoon or my colleague up there did. And it's interesting to see how Saskatoon appears to be spending way more than Regina. On consultants? Yes. Really? Um, And uh, actually compared with other, compared with other major cities, I managed to dig some information out from like Edmonton and Toronto. Regina is actually doing quite well. Hmm. Um, So that's one of the ones where it's like, oh, (laughs) <laughs> Here's the number, but it's not it's not yeah, such a big deal right. if you dig it's, down. It's, it's not yeah. it's not such a big deal. I, th- I think it's important to note that sometimes people have the perception that reporters are always looking for the negative story, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and that no matter what information we get, we're going to choose the most negative aspect of it, or I guess the splashiest aspect of it. And sometimes you get all that information, like the consultant stuff, and my headline ends up being. You know, Virginia is actually spending a lot less than Saskatoon, and here's what we're spending on, and you get a bit of analysis in there, but that's that's the story. It's yeah. not it's not all bad news stories. I feel like we get yeah. a bad rap sometimes, especially with pol- political stuff. It's interesting too when you describe what you're doing. How much of the reporting that you've done for the Leader Post is driven strictly by your own curiosity? That there's not some like overarching uh, narrative that the newspaper is trying to. Uh, present or specific things that, you know, as an organization you're going after, it's you just being curious about something and sort of digging down. Like, is that is that really like day-to-day how everything sort of wound up in the paper is? Um, a lot of it, yeah. A lot of it comes, and, and this is what's so nice about having, and I'm a big advocate for beat reporters. Um, so if you don't know what that is, someone who focuses on a specific topic like mm-hmm. health, crime, um, business, etc., um, which the Leader Post does very well. Um, and it's because you have, you'll end up having someone who's in it every day. Mm-hmm. And that's their job is to be like a field expert in, in my case, City Hall. And so you end up, you know, I will read a report and there'll be one sentence in the report and I'll be like, huh, I didn't know that. And it could <laughs> be mostly unrelated to what that report's about, but I'll jot a note down and I might look into it and that turns into a story. So I have these running lists of, 
you know, story ideas like, oh, maybe ask about this. Maybe it's just firing off one email. And depending, you get a response back and it's kind of mundane, so you drop it. Or you get a response back and you're like, huh, that's an interesting, you know, 300 words or 400 words. Or maybe it turns into a whole, you know, longer analysis piece like the consultant's one, that one question. I wonder how much they're spending on that. Mm-hmm. So are there any stories that you're leaving behind that are just going to, like, needle at the back of your brain? Oh, if only I had continued on that. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Can you, can you... <laughs> oh, yeah. I yeah. don't know how much I want to talk about them. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a few. Uh, there's a few. I mean, the timing of my departure is a bit unfortunate given the municipal election. It's mm-hmm. coming right. up in a couple yeah. weeks. Um, the stadium as well. The stadium isn't done. I think that there's a lot more that's going to... We're going to see a lot more, is my guess, about how um, how well the stadium is, is doing or not doing. Um, we still have... Um, we never uh, saw the contracts for the stadium, so I yeah. still have some remaining questions about that. We haven't actually hit the official completion date. Uh, same thing with the wastewater treatment plant. We have a good sense that that's apparently going well, um, but uh, you know we're not actually done that yet. Um, those are big questions. Um, I'm curious to see how the Rosewood mm-hmm. school site uh, plays out the P3 school project oh, in the yeah, Northwest. Um, that's another big one that uh, we won't really see to completion for another, uh, what is it, year? Yeah. Year now? Um, so, yeah, just a, f- a few of those a few of those big things, I yeah. would say. Some, some of those bigger projects that I'm curious to see when all said and done. A lot of the time with these bigger projects, it's only when all said and done that you can get at them. Mm-hmm. In terms of getting documents for them uh, and finding out how they how they actually went, um, so yeah. Um, well, and you mentioned the election, which is yes. ongoing right yes. now, our Rockham Sockham election <laughs> in Regina. Uh, yeah, are you going to miss covering that? Like, I am really because it, <laughs> it's it's a really really quiet sort of drama free yeah, election even with all the candidates who've just recently sort of filed and come out of the woodwork. Yeah, uh, yeah. still still not nearly as exciting as say the last you know the one four years ago. Yeah, yeah, I think it's gonna I think it's going to continue to be quiet is my guess, um, barring any big surprises. Um, but I, I I think that's kind of part of the challenge, almost like we were talking about earlier. Um, You know, how do you make this election interesting for people and get people engaged uh, in the election when it is a quieter one? Mm -hmm. Um, I think there are still pretty important things to um, consider, even if, you know, a lot of people consider the the mayoral race to be a shoo-in or at least to be a quiet, relatively quiet race, if anything. Um, I think the two vacant wards... um, Mm -hmm will be really interesting to keep an eye on. We know we're going to get two new people, so who are they going to be? Ward 6 has had an extreme amount of interest. There were, what, up to nine candidates, yeah. I think, yeah. in in Ward 6. And it's a very interesting ward as well in terms of its makeup, what with North Central and East View and Warehouse District. Um, We've had a few uh, Ward 6 candidates on, okay. on the uh, in our meetings, and they seem to be, I, I don't know what you think, Paul, but they seem to be the most engaged Mm-hmm. All the people we've talked to, they seem to have the most interest in in the development of the neighborhood, and it's, and really, 
interested in the specificities and you know the, the warehouse and Eastview and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's going to be an interesting one. One thing that I found curious too, as I was doing the tally, Sharon Bryce's ward mm-hmm. actually has the second largest number of candidates, which I thought yeah. was interesting yeah. because she's on her. I want to say she's going for her fifth term. She's been so, on council yeah. a fifth. long time. She's yeah. a well-established counselor, um, and so to see. I, I'm curious, um, and this is maybe a question for the people in that ward or, or the, the candidates. I'm, I'm curious why. I mean, it, why there's that level of interest in her ward in particular, especially going against such a well-established uh, counselor. And I don't, I don't know if there's any like hot topics in her ward. Maybe I could be wrong, um, yeah. but it has yeah. even more interest than Ward Three, Councillor Fraser's uh, ward, which is mm-hmm. right downtown, which has a decent number of candidates, but. Nowhere close to to hers. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with Ward Two, Bob Hawkins Ward. Uh, yeah, there was a lot a of interest ward. in that. Yeah. Uh, I think there's six candidates running there, and again, like that's more than Ward Three is an open ward. You'd yeah. think that there would have been. I was expecting nine. It, it may just be that, for example, with uh, Councillor Bryce. I mean, after five, you know, four or five terms, you just build up enough time and enough like weird grudges or whatever else. <laughs> <laughs> that people just finally want to say, okay, let's maybe it's time for a change. So you get yeah. this sort of groundswell. Or maybe there's a really big pothole. <laughs> there's one really big pothole that's <laughs> pissing everybody off. There's one pothole. One thing that I, um, and I'm, these are stories, I mean, you're asking things that were kind of on my story list that I didn't get to tackle. And I think this, this would be interesting to look at. Um, there are a number of, um, New Canadians who are running on council yeah. to yes. varying to varying degrees. Some people, I mean, it depends what your definition is, right? Um, but there are a number of uh, people who are identifying as um, new Canadians, as immigrants to Regina, or at least they ended up in Regina after coming to Canada. Um, and there are a decent number of uh, First Nations and Métis candidates, yeah, especially mm-hmm. in Ward Six, yeah. especially in Ward Six, as well as um, some very young faces too. Um, so those are kind of the three. Ca- if I were going to, if I were still reporting, or if I were to do um, kind of some sort of wrap up of candidates, those are three areas that I would be interested in in looking at for sure. Looking at the new candidates is sort of a profile of like the new sort of makeup, the demographic makeup yeah. of the city. Yeah. yeah, especially given what the makeup has historically been of city council, right. which is older white. Males, yeah. Um, for the most, for the, for most, the most part, part. there yeah. have been exceptions. We currently, and we currently have two women mm-hmm. um, on on council. Um, and Sean Frazier is the the youngest uh, council member. But um, there's been, you could argue, not that much diversity mm-hmm. um, on Regina City Council. So that makes these candidates uh, interesting as well. Yeah, and it'll be. I'll be curious to see if having this level of diversity in the in candidates will actually translate into a more diverse council. And I don't know that it will, you know. I guess we'll find out on October 26th. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, one of our candidates literally showed up here on a skateboard. Yeah. He, he came in with a skateboard. Oh, who was that? I was like, who was that? I can't remember. Uh, David uh, Chapados. Yeah, that's right. Chapados. Chapados. Yeah. Yeah. Chaps. Chaps. We call him Chaps. Yeah. And uh, of course, un- unsurprisingly, one of his interests was like skate parks and such. But yeah, you know. and just like rec for you. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for coming yeah. in. Thank you. Uh, it is. Uh, we we said at the top, but it is tragic that you're leaving the city hall beat. That's uh, it's a real blow to the Queen City. And we'll have to get somebody else down here talking about yeah, city yeah. Hall affairs. 
So, and hopefully the leader post will find somebody as curious and as, uh, Hardworking as you yeah. take over, so I'm sure they will. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, thanks for coming okay, down to the basement. Thanks so much for having me. Hope that in whatever it is you do, that we'll find some excuse to have you uh, visit us again. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you. We're back. We are. I mean, not like we went anywhere. No. But we are. In a sense, back. From the interview. From the interview. And what's next on the agenda? I believe this is the point in our meeting when we talk about innovative revenue tools, which are tools that are innovative, which generate revenue. For the city. For the city. Excellent. Yes. Well, we have a great one this week. Oh. It's from the Voter Engagement Task Force. The vets? Yes, the vets. The vets. Yeah, from the vets. Uh, It's... It's an apathy tax. Ah! An apathy tax. Uh, basically, what we're working on right now with the um, with the Voter Engagement Task Force, and it's going to involve uh, some changes to the Constitution, possibly, certainly some legislation at the provincial level, is we're going to uh, sort of race to get an extra line on the municipal election ballot uh, to impose an apathy tax. Hmm. And it'll be the way that people will vote for the apathy, apathy tax and against it. It'll be a little bit different. Obviously, if you come in to vote in the municipal election on October 26th, you will be able to cast your vote for or against the apathy tax. Presumably, the kind of people who come out to vote at the municipal election, not right. apathetic, not very apathetic. Right. So they'll vote against the apathy tax. Obviously. Right. So that we can capture those votes of the people who are in favor of an apathy tax. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to change the rules such that people, registered voters who do not come out and cast a vote in the municipal election, those non-votes will be counted as tacit votes in favor of the apathy tax. Ah. So will those people be taxed exclusively? Or will everybody have to pay the apathy tax if it passes? That's the genius part ah. of this. If the apathy tax passes and mm-hmm. gets its 50% plus one of the uh, the entire voting populace, only the people who don't cast a vote will have to pay the apathy tax because they're the only apathetic ones. It's only their apathy that we'll be taxing. Sounds perfect. Right. And meanwhile, those people who vote against it or even just vote the municipal election at all don't have to pay anything. So what's going to happen is either we're going to have a record turnout of people coming to vote against an extra tax, (laughs) or we're going to have a brand new revenue stream and a mighty big one, I'm guessing. Wow. You know, it's funny you should mention this, because I, too, brought uh, my own innovative revenue tool. Oh, you did? It's from the Citizen Involvement Corps, or KICKS. KICKS, yeah. Yeah, and they came up with this in, in collaboration with me, and we call it an indifference levy. Mm hmm in which you sh- when you show up to vote, you can vote for or against an indifference levy. Okay. And those who vote, you know, for you know, vote for the indifference levy or don't vote at all have to pay it. Oh, this sounds awfully familiar. <laughs> I, I mean, I admit I heard it somewhere before, but uh, yeah, indifference levy. Hmm. You know, we've been also talking about a repetition tax. Ooh. <laughs> Is that, or, like, is that like my redundance fee? Yes. It's almost identical. 
<laughs> Sounds absolutely identical. Yeah. Very well, this is great. Well, the, these are like, you know, four brand new revenue tools. <laughs> or maybe two. <laughs> or perhaps two out of one meeting. Wow. So innovative. Just so productive. Yeah. That, that well, sounds... if these four tools don't work, <laughs> we've got a bunch more. Excellent. I'm Sandy Dorn from the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District, and you're listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 CJTR, Regina's Community Radio. Oh, and we're back from Innovative Revenue Tools, another fine batch. Absolutely. I got, hey, it's funny, I got a letter during those Innovative Revenue Tools. Mm -hmm. There's a tax for people who, like, parasitize or imitate other people's jokes. Really? Like, and just step on their comedy. Huh. That's yeah. already there? Yeah, apparently. It's it's an Innovative Revenue Tool from, like, the previous, like, employees from the Bureau. Wow. Yeah, so uh, apparently 200 bucks I, I got to pay up by the oh. end of the month. So That's okay. <laughs> you know what? You can probably just sneak that out of petty cash. I think we can. Well, actually, I looked in Petty Cash. It's mostly, it's mostly just elastic bands mm -hmm. and uh, what looks like a dead mouse. Oh, but, yeah. I was saving that for later. Understood. So, funny story. <laughs> okay. I escaped from the sub-basement yesterday. Okay. I'm liking, I'm liking yeah. the comedy so far. I, I, I scurried through the vents mm -hmm. like a mouse. Oh. And uh, I, uh, I brought some of the recording equipment we have down here, a tape recorder, and I uh, cornered a mayoral candidate in the library. Oh, nice. Like, just literally, just like up against the wall, yep. just of talk or else? Yep. As part of our mandate to, uh, you know, get to the bottom of what's going on with the municipal election, I found Jim Elliott, one of the mayoral candidates. We've already spoken to Tony Fiacco. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim Elliott is another one of the people who's on the ballot. And I was able to ask him a few questions from a, uh, a spot underneath the, uh, the escalators in oh. the uh, central branch Excellent. of the library. And I'll, uh, I'll roll that interview right now. Sounds good. Hello, this is uh, Jim Elliott, and as you can tell from the noise in the background, we're under the escalators at the uh, Regina Public Library main branch. So. Uh, Jim, why are you running a again? I guess the basic problem that I've seen is, you know, uh, action isn't happening uh, at council, and I, you know, you, you need to push, and if you don't, you know, continue to push, nothing's going to happen, and so I felt that I needed to take a second run at at that and, and you know push perhaps a little harder and like i said hopefully get into a position of being able to continue that you know over the four years right uh and you say action isn't happening is there something specific that action isn't happening on that uh, frustrates you i guess there's two two or three things one uh the current issues around climate change around action you know reducing the use of the automobile you know, taking action on just energy conservation in general, the city seems to be you know kind of stagnant in that and not really not really uh, uh, pushing you know development or or the community. The second one is around I guess marginalization of peoples and more generally, kind of uh, the you know the homeless, the you know low income, you know indigenous people that type of thing. They you know they they don't tend to be given the chance to you know speak their uh, their mind as well as be, you know they're being left out of the discussion in a general sense um, uh, on the climate change front what 
what realistically do you expect the city to be able to do? That seems to be that's one of the things that people tend to think of as more of a federal or provincial responsibility. Well, I, I think we can move uh, our current development strategy into much more of a an aggressive uh, energy conservation, so, you know, through through zoning bylaws, through you know, encouraging more you know bicycle uh, transit use, that type of thing. Also, I think we can we can be working with our business community to, in fact, get them to step forward and, and make make renovations to their services, to their programs, and all that. Uh, uh, local local procurement is another uh, feature that the city has. When they purchase stuff, they can look at local production again, reducing their uh, their impacts. And I guess uh, if one looks at Regina as being one of the big cities of the country, you know we can be that you know they're pushing uh, the federal and provincial governments in a in a more aggressive way to, uh, especially in, in light of the recent comments from Brad Wall and not really wanting to do anything. You know. And what about uh, issues around uh, like homelessness and things like? Again, that's another one that frequently has been fobbed off on the province or onto the uh, federal government uh, that, you know, it's their responsibility to deal with this. What, again, can the city do beyond the, uh, the measures that it's already taken? I think my take on that is I think we can be much more of a leader in, in moving that forward. Uh, we, you know, if we, if we simply just keep saying, okay, it's somebody else's responsibility, you know, somebody else's re- you know, a reason for not doing anything, then we're not, we're not going to go, go anywhere because uh, even though the provincial uh, government is progressive on a few things, you know that's clearly not one of them. And uh, so we need to, you know, just you know to get into the game and, and be much more of a, an active player in the in the programs. Right. Do you have like a specific policy idea for that? Well, I, I guess in a in a broad sense, specifically with the, with the around areas around homelessness, I'd like to actually get to the point of actually having a plan to to end it. You know, to to get so that we don't actually have uh, the push on the the shelters that we do, and the shelters can in fact be dealing with you know more of the transient problems and, and that type of thing. Racism is a is a a broader issue, and I, I think we're where we can take some role there is through the uh, uh, the police commission and through the Regina Police Service, but also working with our indigenous leaders and uh, starting to, you know, put some uh, some statements out there. Basically, you know, kind of like the you know the zero uh, injury type of you know Project Zero type of thing. The idea just okay, you know, we don't tolerate this at all. If you want to be that, then you know, then you're going to be, uh, you know, chastised either publicly or at least privately that hey, you know, we don't do this, and uh, and uh, both, you know, from that work with the schools as well to to be, you know bring it from the kind of the bottom up as well that uh, everybody's important, everybody should have a, a a place in this community, and we should be you know extolling the virtues and value of the diversity in our community rather than. You know, shunning them off to, you know, to different neighborhoods or different parts of the, you know, the society in general. Right. Um, how do you feel about the performance of the current council? Uh, 
I, I know that you've been highly critical of them just now, but oh, with things like the Regenerative Revitalization Initiative, uh, the stadium, some of the major projects that the, this council has accomplished, the wastewater treatment plant, uh, do you have any comment on those uh, accomplishments? I guess the, the, own, the, the broader context of this is I don't think the community has been engaged as much as it should be. Uh, you know, uh, one thing, for instance, even with the replacement of Taylor Field when they eventually take that one down, I'd like North Central to be the cornerstone of what happens to that property, not necessarily simply the city or the development community or, or those types of things, but giving the community itself a certain amount of ownership to that. And, allow them to determine what you know what and who they would like to have in their neighborhood and uh, because it will be essentially an extension or expansion of that neighborhood and so I, and you know things around you know grocery stores other you know services the community currently doesn't have this would be a way for you know to give them that chance to say hey we want this here and in fact if we can do it ourselves well then let's do it ourselves um, on the accountability front, or sorry, the public engagement front, um, the, the city has, uh, over the last several years, it's, it's hosted a lot of public engagement forums and sessions and a lot of like visioning uh, programs for like the official community plan, various neighborhood plans. I've seen you at a lot of these things. Um, how, how can you say that the city needs to be better about public engagement and how do you think that it should be, how do you think it should be better when it's doing all of this already? Well, I give them credit in the sense that with the official community plan, I think that was a, a very effective way of, of involving uh, the community. I guess the part that tends to break down is when that gets to the point of putting forward the projects or putting forward the programs or the strategies or the projects themselves. Uh, you know, you've got to come at, on your noon hours during the middle of the week. You've got to come... Uh, a lot of times people don't get, even get you know, proper notice of those things so that they can fully engage in that. And, and that's the part of this that I want to accentuate uh, you know, in the sense of you know, putting those meetings on the Internet so you can watch them or listen to them on your cell phone or on your, 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 your uh, portable devices and that type of thing, as well as uh, give a lot more chance to talk about those things beforehand like one of the things I'm, I'm pledging to do is getting out in the community and actually having meetings with the community on a regular basis so you're not stuck with going to those one meetings or trying to phone the mayor's office and get a meeting with them on this certain date or that type of thing but being much more out in the community so that they know what's going on I can give them updates on what potentially could be coming in the next you know few a uh, few months, that type of thing. If there's, if there are kind of bigger projects that are on the go, and you know, like I said, just give them more opportunities to be, to be engaged. I think, like I said, some of them, you know, have worked, but some of them, you know, I've, you know, people have said, well, you know, I never heard about this, and you know, their house was four blocks away from the project that was being proposed. You know, you know, just making sure that that doesn't happen again. Right. Um, you've run now, is it three times? Uh, this will be my third time you know, for mayor, yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the things that I have heard, and I think a lot of people are saying, is that really Mayor Fougere is a shoe in to win re-election. Uh, 
can you comment on, like, what do you hear on the doorstep? What do you think are your chances? And what do you think your role is in an election like this where, you know, there doesn't seem to be a lot of public interest even in the mm-hmm. election? Well, I, I guess part of it is when I initially uh, went up against Pat Fiacco the first time, part of my role there, and it still continues, to, I think, to be part of my role, is to be that opposition almost, to be that, you know, counterpart to saying, okay, you can have it this way or... You know, here's another alternative. Here's a different way of doing things. Uh, second of all, I think that with with issues in a general sense, if if there isn't that uh, demand for discussion or debate or those types of things, most of the issues that people that I've heard, you know, are issues aren't going to get discussed, aren't going to be put to the politicians so that, you know, when you go into that ballot box, you won't know whether they like this or don't like this. And this way, at least, I can, I can prompt, uh, prompt the various you know, you know, other candidates to you know, deal with the issues that I'm proposing, de- look at the issues around homelessness, around public engagement, around climate change, because, like I said, if, if, uh, you know, if it is, in fact, a shoe-in, which I don't think it is with, with Fougere, uh people are just going to walk away and just say, well, why vote? You know, and, you know, and, and so at least this will say, okay, if you've got problems with the mayor, then you do have an alternative. Yeah. Well, then, uh, to sort of conclude, uh, when we had Tony Fiacco on the show, mm-hmm. uh, we ended with him uh, with a role-playing scenario to test his uh, suitability for the mayor's seat. Okay. And I wanted to do the same thing with you, but it's October, so this is going to be more of a Halloween-themed uh, role-playing scenario. Are you, are you ready? Sure. Okay. Um, you're, you're mayor. Mm-hmm. It's Folk Festival weekend. Um, and you've received credible reports of spirits at on the loose in the city terrorizing people in the downtown. A group of plucky young women calling themselves uh, the Ghostbusters storm into your office saying uh, that because of a rare harmonic conversion, a portal to the netherworld is about to open in Victoria Park. Right. It's Folk Festival what do you do? I guess part of it would be, you know, if I'm if I'm there on on the Friday night, I would, you know, address the audience because I think in some cases you you do get an opportunity to to address the audience and at least make them aware of it. Uh, you know, it's hard to tell where within Victoria Park because it, it is quite a large space, so. I guess we have to be a little careful about... Uh, but, but everybody could get sucked through this portal into the land of the dead. Aren't you a little bit worried as mayor that you could get sucked through as well? Uh, true, but uh, I think it, you know, you know, it might be fun. You know, it might uh, not, you know, because you, know, you don't know whether this portal is a one-way portal or a, a two-way portal. So, you know, we all may be able to get to over, you know, visit the dead and visit our... our uh, or parents, or grandparents, all that type of thing, or you know, past mayors. Uh, so, are you saying that you could see you could see turning this into a tourism opportunity for the Queen City? Well, if it becomes a little more permanent, you know, like you know, we we talk about kind of uh, haunted houses and all those types of features to you know to various houses as a way to bring people to the city. I, I, if you know, like I said, if this is a little more permanent, then. You know, we may have to consider maybe moving, the, you know, the folk festival to another location, you know, on an ongoing basis because there'd be so many people in the park looking for this vortex or wanting to go visit visit their their relatives, that type of thing. That we, you know, we might get distracting. You know. 
Yeah. Would you be willing to work with the Chamber of Commerce to find ways to exploit this uh, portal to the netherworld? Sure. Yeah, like I said, if we can, you know, also get a chance to talk to past uh, politicians and understand our history a little more as well, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So that was my interview with mayoral candidate Jim Elliott. Okay, uh, uh, Paul. Yeah, I think the phone line is blinking. Do we oh. leave? Do we leave the lines open from last week's uh, meeting? Oh my goodness, we must have. Let's let's. Well, better better go see what's up. Okay, I'll go answer that phone. Hello, caller. Uh, you're on the air. Who is this? Hi, I'm Tamara Knight, and I'm running for Ward Three. <laughs> really? Wow. Well, this is a lucky thing, you calling us out of the blue. Like, this wasn't planned at all or anything. Because we are trying to interview as many city election candidates as possible and test their suitability for council. Excellent. Let's find out my suitability. Okay, excellent. First off, if you're elected to council, what do you plan to do specifically to improve the Queen City? Well, my platform, the, the three things on my platform are infrastructure and safety. Mm -hmm. I think those things are interconnected. Your children should be able to, and my children, should be able to skip down the streets and not worry about falling over or breaking their nose because there's cracks and, and uh, potholes. So I think that those things are interconnected. Also, our children shouldn't walk through these areas and find needles on the ground or worry about playing at the park and, you know, getting mugged or something stolen from them on the way home. So safety and infrastructure are, are vast issues, but I think they are in interconnected. So that's something I want to address in City Hall. The second thing I want to look at is building business through both business partnerships and community partnerships. We all know that tax dollars are what are used to, you know, pave the streets and to fix the infrastructure problems that um, are existing. So how can we find those tax dollars without raising taxes? I think people are taxed enough and we're all just trying to pay our bills and feed our families. And I don't think that raising tax, do tax dollars is necessarily the way or the approach to look at um, fixing the existing problems that we have. So I believe that building business while maintaining the heritage and the feel of the communities is a way that we can look at possibly reaching some of these goals that we have. Okay, sure. Um, but on that tax question, uh, that's something that's been plaguing cities across the country for years, this idea that their main source of revenue is property taxes. Um, do you have a plan for how to improve the Queen City's bottom line beyond that? Well, I do believe that, again, it, it takes a village, as they have always said. So my plan would be to make more money with more people coming together in partnerships. So, I mean, advertising costs businesses dollars and cents, and if 
people come together and share those costs, then there's more money in the bottom line, and that equals more money to go into the city coffers at the end of the day. So working together with existing businesses, building new businesses, creating a space where um, businesses can thrive, being progressive, and I mean in the sense of trying new things and having new ideas and finding ways to accomplish those is probably the best way to uh, to get money into our city coffers. Okay. Um, what about on the infrastructure front? Uh, this last city council instituted a residential road renewal program where uh, there's an annual 1% property tax increase that's dedicated to repairing residential roads. Uh, how do you feel about that program, and do you think there needs to be something more? I do think that there is always room to grow. Um, things are always changing, and we can't stay stagnant. I do think the existing plan is a good first step and, and even second step. And again, there, there is room to grow. I mean, the different wards have different infrastructure issues, and I think there needs to be a balance between, you know, fixing the infrastructure that's in the older areas and being cognizant of the fact that the streets are crumbling under some of the older areas and they do, that does need to be addressed. And we need to look at uh, both short-term and long-term budgeting for that. And then we need to also look at uh, the growth in the city and how infrastructure, how we're growing and how we can uh, put some of those budgeting and tax dollars into the growth of uh, Regina as it is. Right. Okay, well, what about your ward specifically? Uh, when you look around Ward 3, you've already spoken about infrastructure, but are there other things in your ward that you uh, think need attention? Um, well, parking is always an issue, and again, I haven't addressed that on my platform, but I, I don't think people really want a 16-page platform, um, especially with the new stadium. How are we going to address that? How are we going to ensure that the residents um, in cathedral and neighboring areas um, <clears throat> can combat the parking issues. What we can, can we do to bring the fans and the people in, um, at both at rider games and concerts? Um, that's something we can address. How can we pay for that stadium? I don't think tax dollars needs to be the only thing that we look at. We're in a recent deficit because the stadium was built, and I'm not insinuating that I think it's a bad idea, but I am saying how can we get back to a balanced budget within our city so that we can grow instead of just pay back. Right. <laughs> um, so those are some issues that need to be looked at. Again, safety, our crime rates are going up. Uh, petty crimes are an uh, issue. I know I haven't spoken to anyone in my ward that hasn't had a bicycle stolen or their car broken into. And then we need to look at the bigger crimes, like, you know, the, the gang issues that we're having downtown and the recent shootings and the number of machetes out there. And where is that coming from and how can we close the gap? Um, to, to make this a better place to live. 
Okay, sure. Um, but just to clarify a point, uh, the city doesn't actually run a deficit. Uh, under the Cities Act, I think it is, we're not allowed to run deficits. So on the operational side, we can't run a deficit, but we are allowed to borrow money to, um, to cover infrastructure development and renewal. So that's where we got the money for the stadium. So it's not a deficit in the sense of being short of cash at the end of a year. It's like a planned long-term debt on an infrastructure project, and there's a planned repayment schedule. Yes, deficits and debt, I guess, they are two different things, but we we are still owing money, yeah. and it would be nice if that was uh, not... Yeah not looming over top of us so sure. that we could invest in, in more growth. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, um, to wrap up, uh, do you have a slogan for your campaign in Ward 3, and does it rhyme? Oh, on the spot. Yeah. Okay, well, night is right for Ward 3. Okay, that is perfect. Um, well, thanks a lot, Tamara, for uh, calling in and uh, to, to us to talk about the election. Absolutely, and thank you for taking the time to speak to me. I look forward to uh, Election Day on October 26th. I'd like all the listeners to um, get educated on advanced polls and how they can get out to vote, and let's vote 2016 and get that voter turnout rate up. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Tamara. You're welcome, Paul. Thank you. Huh. So how about that? Tamara Knight just phoning us up out of the blue to talk about her Ward 3 candidacy. That is a lucky thing. Yeah. It sounded like she just phoned from her car. It really did, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. You know, if we don't have a motion to adjourn, this could carry on all night. You're right. Let's, uh, let's move to adjourn. I second that motion. Okay, motion passed. You've been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. This episode brought to you by Mayor Fougere's Care Bear Wear and Tear Hair Layer. Do people stare at the wear and tear on your Care Bear's hair? Don't despair. Get your fair share of rare Care Bear hair at Mayor Fougere's Care Bear Wear and Tear Hair Layer. Theme music provided by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire. You can find us on Twitter at Queen City IB or on Facebook at Queen City Improvement Bureau or on our website, queencityib.com, on iTunes or cjtr.ca slash podcasts. Coming up next, the Nerdcore Cabaret with Maddie V, followed by the cockpit. Keep on improving, everybody.